Daniel chapter number two this morning. I am going to begin a series on uh, just end time prophecy starting here today and then uh, probably go through all of the summer. It'll probably be 13 weeks or so that we're going to be studying this subject. It's a lot of studying, a lot of, um, a lot of information that we're going to be given to you. And um, we will begin to have some notes upon the screen and that sort and some handouts for you. Today is more or less just an introduction to a lot of things that we're going to be studying. The problem in studying is you could read a lot of books. You could read some books that were written 10 years ago, and a lot of things have changed since someone wrote a book. They see something happening in history uh, or in, in present day, and they think maybe this is it. This is, uh, this is what we find, and only to find those books now are out of date. You need to be careful also in studying this uh, subject matter is because there's a lot of false teachings as, as well. And uh, so what I want to seek to do is just use the Bible. Go to the Bible. Find out what the Bible has to say. Where the Bible is silent, I believe that we need to be silent. I don't believe that we ought to interject our opinion or what we think where the Bible doesn't say. There's enough information, enough truth in the Bible that gives us information about end times that all we simply do is need to study what the Bible has to say and let the Bible speak for itself. I want to study this, though, not just for information, because the truth matters, there's going to be parts of Bible prophecy that you and I, we're not going to be here. And I praise the Lord for that. And uh, if you're saved, there's going to be some things that we are not going to have to experience here on this earth. And that's a wonderful thing. But it ought to cause us, though, it's, if it's in the Word of God, then we ought to learn it. And I believe that it ought to cause us to be a greater soul winner um, because we don't want anyone to experience the wrath of God. We want, we want God, if God's not willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance, then you and I, we ought to then take the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and share it with the lost and dying world. And that is our, that is our hope. That is our purpose as Christians. And so I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to Daniel chapter number two, and we're going to get there in just a moment. And I'm going to lay out today just an introduction to this. And as I said, we're just going to study uh, different subjects, different things. We'll be in Genesis, we'll be in Revelation, we'll be out throughout Scripture here studying. What, what um, uh, Daniel, Daniel, what Daniel has to do with end times prophecy, you say go to the Old Testament to find what the Bible's going to say. Interesting enough, Daniel, for some reason, God allowed Daniel to, to be the one that he uh, used to uh, see visions and dreams. And God then allowed Daniel to interpret some of those visions and dreams for Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. There was a king uh, of Babylon, which would be modern-day Iraq. And that God allowed that king to be the, a great ruler, a great empire over all of the world. At that time, Daniel was one of the Jewish boys that, that uh, when Nebuchadnezzar went and, and invaded Judah, uh, took Daniel back, and Daniel was raised up in his, in his kingdom. In Daniel, the uh, story of Daniel goes that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not uh, defile his God, and he chose not to take a portion of the king's meat, and he stood firm for the Lord, and God used Daniel and three of his friends, uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, so the book of Daniel, though, is an interesting book. It's at times difficult to study, difficult to understand. And then God used John to, to pen the book of Revelation. 
And what's very interesting, though, in these two books, you'll find that they don't uh, ever go against each other. You'll find all through God's word, there's no mistakes. It doesn't contradict each other. Think about this. We look at the Bible as one book, but the reality is this. It's 66 separate books that make up the Bible, written by different authors over 1,500-year period of time. And none of them contradict each other. All of them have a thread through them of redemption and God wanting to reconcile man back to him. And so we're going to find that thread throughout the Bible as we study this series as well. You know, daily it seems that we hear in the news and in, 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 in politics a cry for, how many of you ever heard this, the New World Order? Have you ever heard that phrase, the New World Order? We say that often, we hear that often. Many, many leaders, many voices are crying for globalization. And in, in, in this suggests this, the surrender of, of a, a national sovereignty to a, a world government a world headquarters, and a world court. And what we're going to find in our study is this, there's also going to be a call and there's going to be a a world religion as well. And if you think about this, just think about those thoughts. There's a cry for peace in every area. There's a cry for globalization, for unity, and, 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 and there's talk of all the nations getting along for peace. There's a cry, and we'll get into this later into our study in several weeks. There's a cry for unity in religions. There are some religious leaders, many religious leaders, that are suggesting that we all just come together and just have peace. It doesn't matter our differences. But the problem with that is this. They're not wanting unity upon the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Anything else would be false. And so this cry for peace is not a cry necessarily for truth. And so we're going to see this all through uh, our life. And, and if the Lord should tarry his coming, our children are going to continue. And they're going to continue to hear this cry for a new world order, for globalization. And the reason why is because that is Bible prophecy coming into play, coming into focus here. From 2008 to 2010, the U.S., along with many, with many other nations, experienced uh, an economic downturn. It's still talked about today. Still talked about the, the economic downturn of 2008. And in many, many that maybe were in business and in, in real estate, you, you realize the downturn, downturn it really took. And in that downturn, a lot of things began to really speed up this, uh, this uh, uh, thought of world, the world's economy and, and centralization of the world's economy. In a USA Today article, A lady by the name of Kathy Lynn Grossman reported this. Pope Benedict XVI today called for reforming the United Nations and establishing a true world political authority with real truth to manage the global economy with God-centered ethics. Here's a call from a religious leader in this world for all of us to come together. A one-world economy with God-centered ethics. 
And to most, that sounds wonderful. You know, some of the things that we're seeing unfold in our day, when preachers of yesteryear and Bible, they would study the Bible, they would say things like, there's no way there could be a one world economy. Nobody would go for it. There's no way that all the nations of the earth are going to, and it almost appeared like what the Bible was saying about end times prophecy, there was no way this was going to happen. Now we sit in a generation where we see this unfolding before our eyes. I had the privilege to travel through Europe, and interesting enough, when you get your passport uh, stamped in Europe, uh, one of the things that you find, it's no longer necessarily a central government, it's the it's European Union. When I began to exchange money to purchase something as I was traveling in Europe, you know what I got? The euro. That I could use in any country that accepted the euro. And so we see these things coming to, to fruition as many in yesteryear thought never could happen. Both China and Russia have recently called for the centralization of economics. Not only do we find these things to be true, there's voices against Israel today. The most significant historical event, um, prophetically speaking, it, it was about 75 or so years or more uh, ago, was the rebirth of the state of Israel. That was a significant event that took place. It's something the Bible said was going to happen. It's something that, that uh, we've seen happen now, and that is the rebirth of Israel. And since the rebirth of Israel, do you know what? It seems like all the world is against Israel. We're going to take, my wife and I are going to host, and we're going to be giving out some information here. If you're interested in taking a trip to Israel in 2018, October 22nd to November 1st of next year. And I've been doing a little bit of research and studying about Israel, and, and Israel is just this tiny little nation surrounded by Muslim countries. Israel, they say, is about the size, mass, land mass of, of New Jersey. At certain portions of its borders, it's only nine miles wide. Israel is a tiny piece of land, and it seems, it seems there's the entire world is against him, her. At a political ceremony, the Iranian uh, uh, president said this, with God's help, the countdown button for destruction of the Zionist regime has been pushed by the hands of the children of Lebanon and Palestine. By God's will, we will witness the destruction of this regime in the near future. Here is, a, here is one that was president of Iran calling for the destruction the annihilation of the nation of Israel. You would think that if in any other situation, the entire world would be appalled and go against a national leader, a, a international leader that would say destruction to a nation of Israel, to any nation. We won't find that to be the case. Many believe that. Many go along with what he was saying. Israel is surrounded by some 22 hostile Arab Islamic dictatorships. The combined, listen to this, combined, they make up 640 times Israel's size. 640 times her size. 
in 60 times her population. And that is the threat that Israel deals with every single day of existence, a threat against their, their survival. The English word for revelation comes from this Latin word, um, which means unveiling. And we're going to study through this unveiling of this end time prophecy, the revelation. The Greek word for revelation, it is the apocalypse. And this, this means uncovering. And, and so God allowed Daniel to see into the future. God allowed John to see into the future and begin to uncover or unveil some things that we as Bible believers can now go and study. And I hope that you'll, I hope that you'll see that a lot of this is going to be educational. A lot of this is going to be just imparting knowledge. It might be something different than what you might get a normal, typical Sunday morning sermon. But I want you to come prepared. I want you to come prepared to listen, to study, to gain an interest. So that when we leave, we're passionate because this is the thing. Jesus Christ is coming again. And our job as the church is to be ambassadors for him. And anything we learn from the word of God ought to cause us to be a greater ambassador, telling the world what's going to happen, telling the world about Jesus Christ, telling the world what he's allowed us to know. And so I want to go, first of all, I want to study really where this all begins in Daniel chapter number two. So if, you'll, if you're not there, if you'll find Daniel chapter number two. Daniel is in uh, Babylon, and Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. The problem is this, Nebuchadnezzar forgets what the dream is. But this dream disturbed him so much, he couldn't sleep now. But he couldn't remember what the dream was. But he remembered that the dream was so disturbing that he was disturbed. And so he called in all of his, his, his uh, 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 the Chaldeans and all of the, the astronomers and all the, the smartest people of the kingdom, Brother Kudrow, and said this, I want you to tell me the interpretation of my dream. And they said, okay, that's great. Tell us what the dream was and we'll tell you the interpretation. And he said, that's the problem. Before you tell me the interpretation, you need to tell me what the dream was. Well, they all thought, this guy's insane. He said this, if you don't tell me what the dream was, and I know that you're all false, of course you can tell me what the dream's meaning is if I tell you what the dream was. But can you tell me what the dream was and then tell me the interpretation? And they all said, we can't do this, king. But there was a man named, by the name of Daniel. God gave Daniel the interpretation of this dream. But he also gave him what the dream was. He went into the presence of the king and he said, Oh, king, this is what you see. You see this great, you see this great, uh, 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 um, man, this, 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 this great, uh, man of, uh, gold and silver and, and iron and, 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 and all of these things that we're going to study here. He says, This is what you saw. And the king said, That's it. That's what I saw. 
And then you saw this big stone come and crash the, the, the statue at the feet of the statue. And, and he said, and, and that's exactly what you saw. And the king said, that's exactly what I saw. Now tell me what it means. And Daniel begins to unveil or bring back, uh, tear back the, the meaning of that. And what Daniel begins to do is he begins to teach Nebuchadnezzar what's going to happen in these world empires. The head was of gold. It was a great empire. It was a wealthy empire. It was, it was of all the world and it had great wealth and great power and a great army. And, and Daniel said, Nebuchadnezzar, that is you. He said, then there's one that's going to come after you and this is going to be silver. It's not going to be as great as you. And he goes through and he describes all of the kingdoms, all of the, these empires that are going to, to come. He says, and then finally, the last is that stone that comes and that is, the, that is the last, that is the eternal kingdom. That is God's kingdom that's going to come. And from that point forward, there'll be no more man's kingdoms. And Daniel went through and described to the king all these kingdoms. Daniel again, and we're going to see this in coming weeks as well. Daniel again describes in Daniel chapter number seven, um, other, another, that final kingdom, the ten toes. And, and we're going to get in study and make sense out of some of those things. And, and he begins to, to, to give us some more details about that last and final kingdom. And what we're going to find here is this. All of the kingdoms that Daniel said was going to happen has happened. All the earthly kingdoms except the final kingdom. The last and final kingdom that Daniel prophesied is the kingdom that the Antichrist comes and sets up upon this earth. And that is the last and final kingdom before God comes and sets up his kingdom. And so we find in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel begins to speak about all the world empires, old and new. Ancient Rome expanded to become one of the largest empires of the world history. Before before this, this empire uh, was, was uh, made and her significance felt, the scripture prophesied of the rise and decline of, this, of, the, of the future, reviving of this. The last one that Daniel, uh, before the, the, the one with the Antichrist, the last one that Daniel described would be the, in the last empire that has been here on this earth, the Roman Empire. The next one that's going to come is going to be what they call the revived Roman Empire. And again, in weeks of study, I wish, I wish we could take one day and just study this through, but it's going to take many, many weeks. In 1604 BC, the then ruling empire Babylon invaded Jerusalem and this Hebrew nation of Judah. Look with me in Daniel chapter number 2 and verse number 31, if you would please here today. Daniel chapter number 2 and verse number 31. Thou, O king, sawest the, the, and beheld a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass. What he's describing is a different kingdom, each kingdom. The head, first kingdom, of gold. The second, the, the uh, uh, um, breast and his arms of silver. The next world empire kingdom his belly and his thighs of brass a third kingdom his legs of iron his feet part of iron his feet part of clay thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them 
in pieces. Then was the iron and the clay and the brass and the silver and the gold broken to pieces together. It became like the chaff of the summer and threshing floors. And the wind carrieth away, them away, and no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the old earth. This is the dream, and we will tell you the interpretation thereof before the king. Nebuchadnezzar's dream pictured a symbolic image representing coming empires. From Babylon, which is the gold, to the Antichrist's empire, which would be the, the feet. In every world power, any empire there, Daniel prophesied of, of this here in Daniel chapter number two. A giant figure of a man is, is um, also parallel to the prophecy in Daniel chapter seven, which in our study we'll get to, of the, of the, uh, the beast. Um, and this beast also prophesies of these five world empires. And so this image that we read here in Daniel chapter number two that Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream, it was, it was pieced with various different metals. It was pieced with gold. Greater value at the top, and, but greater strength at the bottom. The order of these metals are significant. The reason why the orders of these metals are significant is it represented the sequential glory and strength of these world governments. Babylon being this great world government, gold, glory. And so we find the gold head is Babylon. If you're taking notes in the future, we'll have these things here on the screen for you. But, but we find this, the Babylonian kingdom, which was existent at that time that Daniel was, was uh, uh, living, was from 606 to 539 BC. These are all things not only you would study in the Bible, you'd find in history as well. One of the significances we'll study through these end-time prophecies, you'll find this, that history also confirms these things. Now, I love history. I'm looking at Tara. She's shaking her head, our history teacher. And I love history. And I love it when you can go through history and find truth. This is not just something we find in the Bible and it's absent from history. You can go to history and find the Babylonian Empire existed from... 606 to 539 BC. Then you would find this, that the, the Media, Media Persian Empire, they came in and invaded Babylon and became the next world power. And that was from 539 BC to 330 BC. And that describes the silver. You're going to find then the next world empire that came into existence in the third, uh, um, he said this, the iron, iron legs. This is the Roman Empire, which existed from 63 B.C. to, to uh, uh, after Christ, 476, 476 years after Christ. The feet of iron mixed with clay. It prophesies a continuation of the fourth empire. It's divided partly with iron and divided partly with clay, and that's going to be the one that we will see. Now remember this, as Daniel was prophesying these world empires... The only one that was in existence was Babylon. So it's not like Daniel was saying, this is what's going to be, and he's already seen this happen. The only one that Daniel was, uh, saw was the one of Babylon. He prophesied, and now what we find is what Daniel prophesied up until the final one there with the, with the feet of iron and clay. Everything he's prophesied has come true. 
We found it to be true. And so we find now Nebuchadnezzar and all the kingdoms, they were, they were um, uh, under his control. This crushing stone that ended Nebuchadnezzar's dream, it represents Christ's coming kingdom that's going to end all world empires. And that is the day that you and I, we are going to be forever with him. The new, the new Jerusalem, the heaven and earth is going to pass away. We hear a lot of things happening in this world and we need to, we need to understand that things have to unfold and things are going to take place. And for the average Christian, when we see some of these things unfolding and taking place, it's not there to scare us. We're not to run and hide and, 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 and be afraid of what's happening. All of these things are going to be happening. But realize this, all of these things are happening because God has ordained these things to happen. They must happen. But as these things are happening, God is still in control. We need to remember that. And as the world is coming and we hear the world is going to come to an end, the reality is this, there is going to be a time of tribulation. There's going to be a time then of, of Christ's millennial reign. Their earth, the earth is, is, is a minimum, a minimum of a thousand and seven years to go. A minimum. After that takes place, though, the, God, will, God will destroy the, the earth and there'll be a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. And all of these things must happen. And the reason they must happen is because God has ordained these things to happen. And so look with me in the same chapter of Daniel. Now let's go to verse number 40, if you would, please. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron. For as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and the toes part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of its strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as one of the toes of the feet were part of iron, the clay, uh, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay." And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the, kingdom, and, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. You and I ought to rejoice right there in that verse. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and it, that it break in pieces the iron and the brass and the clay, the silver and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation, therefore, sure. And so Daniel's prophecy is defined. The prophecy was given during the height of the Babylonian kingdom. And it would, would require faith. And the reason it required faith for Daniel to prophesy this is because most of his prophecy outside of the head was still prophecy. We now look back and can study history and see that Daniel was accurate up until the last kingdom now that we're waiting to take place here on this earth. But it took faith for Daniel. 
History and Daniel chapter five, they both record this, this brilliant military st strategy of Cyprus. He was a, the Persian that redirected, he redirected the mighty Euphrates River and he marched his soldiers in under the walls of Babylon. This was, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was no longer uh, the, uh, the king. Belshazzar was the king of Babylon. He was drunk in a, in, in, in a, at a time and, and the king of uh, the Persian empire, they came in and they simply walked in without a fight and defeated the Babylonian empire. Babylon was strong militarily. They had all the wealth, they had everything. There was no way that a military could beat Babylon, but God, because God ordained this to happen, the, the uh, uh, Persians came in and they just simply walked in under these walls and they took control of what was then the Babylonian empire. And so we find then in Daniel's day, the golden head of Babylon was quietly set aside and it was replaced by this Persian empire. And that was the year 539 B.C. 200 years later, 200 years later, Alexander the Great conquered, and that is this silver empire that then was ushered into the third bronze, which would be the Greece empire. So Alexander the Great, history tells us that he then came in. Greece was that third empire, that empire of bronze. And it's interesting because Daniel, he specifically named Greece as a world power. And we won't have the time to go there today, but you could just write this down. Daniel chapter number eight, verse number 21, we would find that Daniel is naming Greece as a world power. And this just shows another area where the accuracy of Bible prophecy. For Daniel not to even know anything past Babylon, but he prophesies it. It even prophesied where he wouldn't even be alive, and that was when Greece came into power. The fourth kingdom, it's represented by the legs of iron, and um, that is the, during the time of Christ and in the time of the early church age, and that iron represents the Roman Empire. And so all of those are the empires, the world empires, that have been in existence today that Daniel prophesied. Both Daniel and Revelation... They associate the final one, the one of the, the, the iron and the clay. They, re, they associate the Antichrist with this confederation of what we believe would be 10 European nations that um, correspond in some way with the old Roman Empire. And so the final, the final empire, the one the Antichrist is going to begin to set up, is what we find, and that then would be the final world empire that man would then be in charge of, and then God, Christ, sets up his kingdom. And here are, here are just a few references that I want you to take and study and read these things through, and it would help you understand, I believe, some things to help you understand these references. Daniel chapter number two that we read, and just begin to read through on your own, verses 31 through 45. And then also Daniel chapter number seven, verses 19 through 28, and Revelation 13 one through nine, and we're going to study those in the future, but I want you to just study those at some time here. And so we find in Bible prophecy is this, the coming of that last empire, the reviving of the Roman empire. I want you to, read, to listen to something. This is what Vice President Joe Biden, 
he said this. He's, we know him as the former U.S. vice president. He was speaking while he was still vice president. He said this. He was in Belgium. He argued that Brussels, considering its, uh, its rich history and abundance of international institutions, could be the capital of the free world. He suggested that Washington, D.C., which is his home, is undeserving of the title. Notwithstanding its wealth and global organizations, countless international summits that take place there. And he said this, as you probably know, some American politicians and American journalists refer to Washington, D.C. as the capital of the free world. Biden said this, but it seems to me that it's this great city which boasts a thousand years of history and which serves as the capital of Belgium, the home of the European Union, the headquarters of NATO, this city has its own legitimate claim to the title, the capital of the world. At the time, he was a sitting vice president that looked to a nation in Europe and said, this nation, its capital, should be the capital of the world. The revised Roman Empire, it's going to transfer global power by consent. There are going to be nations in this world. Revelation chapter 17, verse number 13 says this, these have one mind and one shall give their power and strength unto the beast. There is going to come a day where there is going to be nations that they come together and they will give willingly their power to a supreme leader. There are some today, and we believe we could see it already in the works, wanting that new world order to take place. They are looking to set up a supreme leader. The 10 leader in Revelation 17, verses 12 through 13, and Daniel chapter number 7, verse number 24, speaking of this Antichrist, speaking of the supreme leader, it tells us that 10 leaders, a 10 leader confederation, it's going to set the stage for a supreme world leader, and this supreme world leader is going to be the Antichrist. Now, this is interesting. I'm going to rush a little bit here in my notes and jump ahead, but I want to read you something. I want to read you something that, and find it here. I want to read you something that the first president of the United Nations, the very first president of the United Nations, he said this. His name was Paul Henry uh, Spake, S-P-A-A-K. He was the first president of the United Nations. Listen to what this man says. He says, we do not need another committee. We have too many already. What we want is a man of sufficient stature to hold the allegiance of all people and to lift us out of the economic morass that, the morass that we, we, which we are sinking. Send us such a man and be he God or devil, we will receive him. Now, this isn't somebody that's in his backyard on some stump speech. This was the first president of the United Nations. And how scary, he says, would he be God or devil? We'll serve him. The world today is looking for a 
leader to make all the problems we have go away. They're searching right now, actively in our generation, they are searching for someone that can unite all religion, unite all economies, unite all differences, come together and we will serve you if you can bring peace. This is a leader, a, at the time, a world leader, someone with great influence made that statement. And so we see, we see the developing prophecy, and you're going to find here with this study, the good thing about this study is wherever we stop, we'll just pick up next week, okay? A lot of times I say, I didn't get through this, and I'm on to the next sermon next week. At least wherever we stop in this series, you know where we're going to pick up next week, all right, but I want to get a few more thoughts in here today and we'll be finished. I want, to, um, I want to look at this. The prophecy is developing. The lessening of national, national pride. You know what? There's a movement throughout all of this world right now. It's, it's lessening of national pride. Your country isn't greater. Matter of fact, we had a former president, and this is not, don't take this as me promoting one president or not. I'm just simply giving you facts. Our former president went on a world tour, and what that world tour did, that European tour, what he did is he apologized for the strength of our country. And we saw that if you just see that in the terms of that one thing, it could upset you as an American or say, I'm not sure why I did that, but you've got to see that in a bigger picture. Because what that does is that gives a lessening, a lessening of, 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 um, uh, nationalism of national pride and that must come so that the world can come underneath of one there's no more great is this country great is this country it's great when we're together we find that happening in Europe right now we find that not long ago when England voted to secede out of the European Union, how many looked at that and they were so upset that a country could come out of a union like that and they were threatened with trade and threatened with financial disaster all because what they're looking is not for people to pull away in one country become greater. What they're looking for is everyone to come together and that is what's going to usher in the Antichrist, one world leader. And so what we find is a lessening of national pride. The second thing we find is an increasing of global government. The European Union has three bodies of government. Look at this, the European Parliament, the Council of European Union, and the European Commission. The European Union is deeply involved in Middle East politics, including sanctions against Israel and policies designed to pressure Israel into giving up her land. This European Union is setting up sanctions against Israel, saying to Israel, you must give up your land. Former Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev last week, this is a newspaper article for the European Union in Ru uh, uh, last week called for the European Union in Russia to put their differences aside to create a major European voice that would counteract the influences of the US in defining global politics 
the weakening of the United States. Because there cannot be a world power that is resisting all the nations coming together. I don't believe, I don't believe in end times that we're going to find America being the world power that she is today. There's some that of yesteryear, they believe that America was going to be taken over. And I simply believe this, that America is just going to come underneath. No longer exist as a world power. And do you understand there are influences all around this world that is pushing, that is on purpose today, pushing so America will not be a world power. And unfortunately, unfortunately, but we know it must be true, there are own leaders of this country pushing for that same thing. And you look and you see, how could you make that decision? They're making that decision on purpose so that America no longer is the sole superpower of this world. Because there has to be a coming together so that there's one power, and that power would be the Antichrist. And so Mikhail Gorbachev, he is meeting, and he says this, that the European Union and Russia, they've got to put aside their differences to create a major European voice that would counteract the influence of the U.S. in defining global politics. If we don't get Russia in, Europe won't be big, a big enough voice in the world. Gorbachev said this at the opening of a two-day meeting on the future of Europe in Budapest. The way forward is to search for a formula to remove obstacles to the EU co uh, uh, cooperation with Russia. He went on to say this, I believe Russia can and must take the initiative. Or I'm sorry, I believe Europe can and must take the initiative. He continued, the hour of Europe is coming in international affairs, and if it doesn't, we will see a time of global troubles. It's this scare tactic. He's saying, Europe, this is all you can do for your survival. Time Magazine reports how President Obama has been vocal in expressing his views on the need for a greater global unity in governments and his support for European leadership. Listen to this. At a town hall, this is from Time Magazine, at a town hall in Strasbourg, France, Obama stood before an audience of mostly French and German youth and admitted that the U.S. should have a greater respect for Europe. In America, he says this, in America, there's a failure to appreciate Europe's leading role in the world. He said before offering other European critical views of his own country, the United States. There's not, only, there's not only a lessening of national pride, there's not only an increasing global government, there's also a quest for global currency. There are many today, right now, what is traded, what is used for trading oil in the world, every, every country, is the dollar. And the reality is that's what keeps the dollar the important dominant dollar in the world. There is a conservative effort, a real conservative effort, to no longer use the dollar for trading. If that were to happen, there'd be no need. I've got some men that study that. Am I correct with that? There'd be no need for the American currency as great as it is today. Most people have heard of the mark of the beast, the number 666. 
Revelation 13, 16 says this, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive the mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, that it that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that understandeth count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, and his number is 603 score and six, or 666. There's going to be a global currency. Iran began requiring payment to be made in the euro for their oil. Other Arab states are threatening to do the same. China now has also voiced a concern for an international currency independent of the U.S. dollar. The New York Times reported this. In another indication that China is growing increasingly concerned about holding huge dollar reserves, the head of its central bank has called for the eventual creation of a new international currency reserve to replace the dollar. 30 years ago, if you were to say that they're going to call for an international currency, people would say there's no way, there's no way that that anyone would agree to a national currency. You know what we find here today? The major economic uh, countries in the world, you know what they're calling for? An international currency. They don't want the dollar. You take the dollar and destroy the dollar. What you would destroy is the economy of a country. You destroy that economy of the country. That one superpower is no longer that superpower. You know what it must do? It must just secede, come into the authority of someone else, which would be the Antichrist. The U.S. Treasury Secretary, this was Timothy Geithner, the former U.S. Secretary shocked global markets by revealing that Washington is quite open to Chinese proposals for the gradual development of a global reserve currency run by the International Monetary Fund. The dollar plunged instantly against the euro, the yen, and the sterling as the comments flashed around across trading screens. David Bloom, currency chief of the HSBC, said that apparent policy shift amounts to an earthquake in geofinance. He said this, the mere fact that the U.S. Treasury Secretary is even entertaining thoughts that the dollar may cease being being the anchor of global monetary system has caused concern across the world. The breaking of the finances. I must, I need to end there. We're going to pick up right where we left off next Sunday. But I want you to see as Daniel's prophesying, there is one world government that's coming and now we're going to begin to look at that one world government and we're gonna spend some weeks studying through that. All right, I hope it's gonna be a help to you to understand if, you, if you've been through this before, then bear with me. If it's new to you, then I pray that you'll just enjoy here as we study here through the Bible.